Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So this month, we're kicking off a new series called Sojourner. Sojourner is like, obviously it's an English word we don't really use to be honest, but it appears in the Bible a couple of times. It means a stranger kind of living in a place that's not their normal residence. They could be passing through or they could be living there for a set period of time or they could just make it their home um, as well. And we're going to have a look at the first instance in the Bible where this word is used and kind of set some groundwork. And then over the course of the coming weeks, the next three weeks, we'll kind of deviate on some different uh, detours. And um, the hope is that God will equip us all to be sojourners in our context and how we live our lives. So Genesis 15, if you've got the City Hill London app, you can read the Bible from there. If not, if you want to just listen, that's absolutely fine. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward should be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. Abram said, Behold, you've not given me any offspring. And remember, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven. And number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer, a cow, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon, and he brought all these to him, cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. I want to pause here for one second because that's going to just sound like crazy weird in our context. Um, unless you go to that art gallery where there's a cow cut in half and you can walk between it in the kind of glass frame. They don't have a shark as well. So if you ever want to get a feel for what this scene was like, you can always go and check that out. Um, but for, for Abraham, this would have been like a really, really normal thing. What I mean by a normal thing is in their society, he, he was like a shepherd. He had huge, huge wealth in livestock, huge livestock. He was a very wealthy man. And if he was going to trade with someone else, what they would do to make a, a deal between two people is very much like this. They would almost cut the animal, uh, the, both of them would cut part of their livestock in half over their agreement of, of the business transaction. They would do like a, like a contract. And then what would happen is one person would walk up and down these pieces and then the other person walk up and down the pieces and what you're saying to the other person is if i do not fulfill my end of the bargain may i be like these pieces so it was kind of like you're laying it all down on the line this is how they would do these kind of contracts so abraham's done this he set this all up just to kind of pause there for a second he cut them half lane each against each other he did not cut the birds in half and the birds of prey came well it wasn't really birds of prey it was more like vultures came down to the carcasses and Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs. They will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve. And after that, they will come out with great possessions. 
As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a contract, a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great land river Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, Canaanites, Cabanites, the Hittites, Perizzites, loads of ites, <laughs> the Amorites, Canaanites, and Ge- I'm not even saying that one, and the Jebusites. So, this is like a really bizarre passage when you read it this many thousands of years later after it's taken place. It's a really crazy, b- bizarre, and unique passage. But there's a couple of things about this passage and why it particularly matters. Well, we're looking at it for this series because it's the first time it mentions the word sojourner in the whole of the Bible. But we're looking at it for um, a particular reason. Abraham was already a sojourner. Abraham's biggest problem was he didn't have any offspring. He didn't have any children. So God's promising him this land. But for Abraham, this feels like such a big distant thing. Like, how can you give me anything? How can I have anything? What's the point of this inheritance for me when it's not going to go anywhere? Someone else is going to have it. I'm not going to be able to pass this along. One of the things about their culture and pretty much the whole of Hebrew mentality was towards the third generation. If you were a good man, you wouldn't think about living your life how you wanted. You would think about three generations deep. Everyone always thought about three generations deep. In this passage, um, Abraham with God is thinking about this four generations deep or a bit beyond that because it talks about 400 years. The thing that I love about this passage is a couple of different things. The first thing it says that Abraham went into a, a deep sleep. And the word that is used there is the same Hebrew word that it talks about Adam going into a deep sleep when God fashioned um, Eve from his rib. So straight away in that moment, the writer using that particular word is kind of putting like a little highlighter. Uh, he's letting you know that in the same way that God formed Eve from Adam, God is forming something new in Abraham. There's something significant is about to take place. That although this looks like he's just asleep in the same way that um, Adam fell asleep, God is using this sleep and this moment of rest to form something new and something magical and something wonderful. It also talks about things in the perfect tense. God speaks about his promise like it's a done deal. Like for this guy, he's old in age, he's been trying and trying and trying to have a child and it's never really happened for him. He's now towards the real twilight years of his life. And then the interesting thing happens. His wife comes to him and she talks about this and she kind of comes to the realization this isn't really happening for them. They're not going to have a child. So they try and do what their culture does. And what their culture did that time was they would then have the child with one of the, the wife's servants, the handmaiden which is why you've got The Handmaid's Tale, if you've ever watched any of that on TV, a very popular series. So they kind of hinge that around on this passage, but it's a little bit different to that um, than how they reflect it. So then that happens, and he goes and he has a child through The Handmaid called Ishmael, and and God does something with that and said he's going to bless Ishmael, but he kind of is saying to Abraham, Abraham, it's like you're not believing me on this. This isn't about Ishmael. This isn't about you doing anything. This isn't something you're going to do. This is something I'm going to do for you. This is going to be something that I'm going to bring about. And so then Isaac is born. He is the child of promise with Abraham. Now, I want to get to something here with Isaac because a really crazy situation and passage of scripture takes place, which is very unlike 
um, the, the, the Bible narrative. So later on in the Bible, it talks about child sacrifice as being the most abhorrent thing. In fact, when Jesus uses the, when we see, read in our Bible in the New Testament, the word hell, Jesus never says hell. He says an actual physical place like Clapham. We're in Clapham. Clapham is a place. He says Gehenna. Gehenna is a place outside Jerusalem. Now, Gehenna is a place which was like the valley of um, Hebron in the Old Testament. And it was a place where child sacrifice took place. It was a place that had such a judgment upon it that it was deemed to be God forsaken. They believe that God did not dwell there, that God was everywhere, but he wasn't in that one place because what happened on that day where the children of Israel believed a lie and sacrificed their children and killed them, worshiping other gods, they felt that was so detestable that when Jesus uses the word Gehenna, he's reminding them of this moment. He's reminding them of this abysmal, disgusting thing that happens. But then God with Abraham says to him like, Okay, I've given you the son. I've given you the son. You didn't believe me. You went to have the son some next way. You didn't believe me. Now I've given you the son and I've promised you that you're going to have this offspring. I've promised you you're going to have this nation. I've promised you I'm going to be with you. I've promised you this goodness that I'm going to do. All these things. And that you're not just worrying. Because when you get to that age in life, you worry about legacy. Abraham's completely focused on legacy. And he wants it to live on. And God is saying, I'm going to do this thing among you. And then he says to him that you need to kind of take your son and you're going to bring him to the mountain and you're going to sacrifice your son. And Abraham goes, grabs his son, takes him up there. And then the son at one point is going along and he says to Abraham, Abraham, like, he goes like, Dad, um, where's the sacrifice? Like, we're going to make a sacrifice, but we haven't got a sacrifice. And then there's this thing that Abraham says that is, Abraham says that is so unbelievably powerful. You see, we read it. In the English, it says, um, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. That's what he says to him. That's not what he says. In the original language, he says, the Lord will provide himself the sacrifice. The Lord will provide himself the sacrifice. They get up there. Abraham's about to lay his son down and sacrifice him. But the whole time, he's just believing that God is the one who gave me this, that God really did give me this promise, that God is really going to do this thing. But he's ready to do this because he almost, either he believes that God is going to raise Isaac up, either he believes that or he believes that even without Isaac, God is going to do this all over again. He just puts his full heart and trusts God. And as he goes to do it, the angel stops him. And the Lord has provided a sacrifice. And over in the bushes, there is this ram there with its its horns caught in the thickets around its head you see Abraham tried to do this in his own strength it didn't cut it with God God then gives him the promise but then God is doing this moment where he's going are you really with me on this are you really believing me for this and he has this moment with his son when we look at this passage when we look at the idea of the sojourner It's the awareness of living in a place that isn't your home. Living in a place that isn't your home. And God says to them, for 400 years, you're going to live in this place. You're going to, they're going to be afflicted long after you're gone. 400 years. Like, man, I'll tell you what. Like, if you think about it, you're going to, you, you come to God in prayer about something that's bothering you. And God says to you, 400 years time, I'm going to step up to the plate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, some of us, after four minutes of praying and haven't received the answer we want, are a bit discouraged. Some of us, four seconds. Some of us, four hours. Some of us, four days. Maybe four months, four years. God goes to him, by the way, 400 years time, Abraham. And Abraham's excited. I mean, this guy's nuts. I mean, he really is down for the long haul. He's down for the long-term vision. 
you're going to be sojourners. Here's the thing. You see, when Jesus came, Jesus came and he was the sacrifice and he paid, the Lord will provide himself the sacrifice for us sin. The Lord will provide himself as the sacrifice for us to know God. The Lord will provide himself as the sacrifice for us to be whole. The Lord will provide himself that we will no longer fade away and die, but we'll have an eternal legacy that will live on. The Lord will provide himself. But when he does that, Jesus goes on to speak about being not of this world. He talks about being not of this world, that we're his. He talks about his kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. Everyone else is building a kingdom of this world. Everyone else is building an empire. Everyone else is building a people like this. But Jesus does this detachment. And I guess the reason why that is so significant for us is that I believe that for you and I, when we really encounter who Jesus is and what he has for us and the price that he's paid, um, Abraham was excited about the idea that they would be a people he was excited about the idea that there would be legacy and land, but Jesus was excited about the idea of us joining his kingdom, where we would be sojourners. Where like the idea of the thing that defines me isn't being British. The thing that doesn't define me isn't um, whether you are uh, pro-Brexit or Remain. The thing that defines you isn't any of these things, but Jesus comes with a kingdom that calls us outside of that. 1 Peter 2 verse 11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish, so that you may, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The same way that Abraham got up, believed God, trusted him, looking for a place and for a city he didn't know. The same way that the children of Israel would follow for 400 years living in a place that wasn't their own. In the same way they did all of these things, I believe that God calls for you and for me to find our identity not just in where you were born, not just in the cultural situation we find ourselves in, but to detach ourselves and attach ourselves to Him. Abraham was in a deep, slumber. Adam was in a deep slumber and God formed Eve. Abraham was in a deep slumber and God started to form a people, a kingdom that was his and that wasn't governed by the nations and the borders of this world. I'm going to pray for us and just invite God to, to meet us where we are. Father, I guess for me, this message is probably as ridiculous as it sounded for Abraham at the time. The idea and the notion, God, that the very world that I'm born into, the culture I embrace, everything about me that defines me and makes me who I am and plays such a key role in my life, that those are not the key things that are supposed to anchor me, but I'm supposed to in some way detach myself. I'm supposed to sojourn. I'm supposed to trust in you. I'm supposed to believe that actually Although I am British, that isn't the key lead role in my life, that you are the lead role in my life. That actually all the things that we talked about with humility that define us and give us our value, that actually we are to believe who you say we are and who you call us to be. Father, I pray over the course of this series, um, you would equip us on the same journey that Abraham went on. I pray for each one of us, Lord, that I guess over these coming weeks, that it'd almost be like the deep sleep, that it'll be a place of forming something new in each one of us for our lives, for our families, for our futures, 
and for everything that you've called us to do. You spoke to Abraham in the deep sleep and it changed the whole direction of his life. Abraham had some longings in his heart for what he wanted to see more than anything. And God, you more than delivered. You went above and beyond. Father, each one of us is so very different. We've got deep rooted desires and God dreams in each one of us. I pray, Father God, over the course of these four weeks, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that we would have the same kind of slumber, encounter, rest, and voice that you would speak into our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got some t-shirts that we've had done saying Sojourner on. We're giving them away all throughout the series. They haven't come in for this week, so if you would like one, um, if you let me know where you want it sent to, if you're not coming for the rest of the series, if you are coming for the rest of the series, don't worry, we'll have them in the future weeks. Um, and we're give, giving them away every single week just so that we have a visual aid to remember who we are and identity. And we're going to figure that out next week with Andre coming and we'll be going through the learning and the same format that we have been doing. Have a great week. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are the light, we are the light. We are the light.